Well, if you have a Bible, I'm in uh, Genesis chapter 27. I entitled this message, Family Function. Probably should have been entitled, Family Dysfunction, because uh, that's really the truth of it all. And we had looked at... Um, Isaac and Rebecca last time and, and how the Lord watched over them and took care of them and Isaac kind of finally came to that place where he swore an oath and he made an altar and he chose to worship the Lord. And something that we didn't finish with in chapter 26 is the last couple verses. And so I'm going to read, I'm going to read from... Uh, the last two verses of 26 into chapter 27 till about verse 17. So uh, let's read. When Esau was 40 years old, he took as wives Judith, the daughter of Beri, the Hittite, and Basimuth, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. And they were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see that he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son, and he answered him, he answered him, here I am. And then he said, behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me. And make me savory food, such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father, such as he loves, and then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it and that he may bless you before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am smooth-skinned. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him, and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go get them for me. And he went. And got them and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory food such as his father loved. And Rebekah took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, the younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and on his smooth part of his neck. And then she gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. And so he went to his father and said, My father, and he said, I, here I am. Who are you, my son? Let's pray. Lord, thank you. 
Thank you for your word that, Lord, it does. It shows us all the warts and the flaws and the failures of people. And we know that we're just people of like passion. Lord, we've fallen short of your glory. We take our lives into our own hands sometimes, Lord, when we totally need to be yielded to you. And so as we look at this today, Lord, and maybe our family is, is in a dysfunctional state even at the moment, Lord, we know that you work in spite of all this stuff, in spite of all our failures and flaws and the failures and flaws of everyone in our home. Lord, everyone in this church body, we know what we are before our God. And yet you choose to uh, give us your spirit. You choose to um, fellowship with us, Lord, even though we've blown it. And so, Lord, I just pray right now you would speak to us from your word, Lord. I lift up Pastor Warren's family to you for Jane and the girls, Lord, that you would be with them, comfort them in this time. So many needs, Lord, that are before us as your people. Help us to step up and to show up and to be your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we start off with old Esau, right? And, uh, and this family is, 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 is quite the um, model of dysfunction. And um, a lot of people say a lot of different things about, about families. Uh, I like this. Phyllis Diller said this. You guys remember Phyllis? Phyllis said, always be nice to your children because they are the ones who choose which rest home you go to. You know, I have been threatened by my kids. Dad, you know we're putting you in a home. I think I'd ride my horse out on a cold day naked before I would let that happen and die of exposure. I like this one. Never raise your hand to your children. It leaves your midsection unprotected. <laughs> Ain't that true? <laughs> Boy, I brought you into this world and I will take you out. I, I don't, oh, I don't know who said this one, but it's, I think a dysfunctional family is any family with more than one person. I mean, dealing with ourselves, you guys, it's hard enough. When we get married and you get two sinners in the house, holy cow, do the sparks fly? <laughs> uh, Buddy Hackett said this, as a child, my family's menu consisted of two choices, take it or leave it. <laughs> uh, what about family life? It's a miracle. Uh, any of us makes it, Right? My parents divorced when I was seven, and um, my dad kind of had a reputation of being a, a, a pretty bad dude, and, and uh, you know, in the heartache of divorce, I don't want to make light of it, but there was times, especially as I became adult and had my own kids, um, I looked back and I kind of thanked the Lord that my dad wasn't there when I was a teenager, because I would not be here today if that were the case. He would have killed me. And, um, but uh, 
But even with all the, the trouble of, of family life, it's truly a joy. It's God's design. He loves it. He says that the Lord has set solitary in families, that um, it's really the foundation of society. It's been said that a, that a family can, can survive without a nation, but a nation cannot survive without the family, right? And that... Let me define that because there's all kinds of definitions of family. Too. That's one man and one woman getting together, if you know what I mean, <laughs> and having a bunch of little boys and girls. Amen? Can you believe we have to be this deliberate about... Lord, help us. So anyway... So, but these, these people get it. You know, Isaac and Rebecca, they get it, right? They have the babies and, and they start growing up. And we first read about, about Esau, right? And now we know that Esau despised the birthright. He despised his, his responsi- spiritual responsibility of the birthright, right? And it, was, it wasn't just spiritual, but that was one of the big things, was they were responsible. That firstborn son was responsible to step up after the, the, the patriarch that was before him would leave. He would have to step into that role and lead his family spiritually. And it says that Esau despised it. He despised spiritual things. And so he, uh, he took two wives, of who? The Hittites. And they weren't supposed to go with the Hittites, the Lord said to Abraham. That's why Abraham set the servant to his family to get Isaac a wife. And it says there that, and they were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. Right, No doubt that they were very concerned about who their son had just married. And uh, I've, 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 all four of my children have married, and uh, we're not doing too bad. Nobody's dead yet. I haven't, I haven't heard a lot of... Why is it the mother-in-laws, they always take the brunt of everything? Maybe that's because women talk a little more than they should sometimes. But they were a grief. The Hebrew word there is mora. It means bitterness or trouble. They're thinking, oh no, we're in trouble, right? The family is going to have trouble because of Esau's choices. And that's so true. Our family is affected by what we do. I don't care who you are, how far removed you are from your family. It, sin affects everyone, right? You, you don't just sin unto yourself. I used to tell that with the kids in the school. And in my classes, if if I couldn't get, get them reeled in, everybody was outside running sprints. And oh my gosh, they, you thought I had to cut their head off and stuffed them in a hole, right? But I always ran with them so they had no arguments, <laughs> right? I always ran with them. And uh, back then, I was a little, little better shape. If they could outrun me, we'd be done with the wind sprints, but none of them, none of them could back then. And, and so... Uh, I would tell them, we didn't do nothing. We're just sitting in class. Sorry. That one person's sin has affected all of us. And I have to run too. And believe me, I don't necessarily like it, but here we are. 
And just know that you do not sin unto yourself. It, it brings death to all kinds of uh, relationship and, and ultimately our physical death. The wages of sin is truly death. And that's what Esau t- brings trouble to his family because of, of who he's, he marries. And that's why parents should be concerned when your child marries into a different faith, right? That's, that's a scary thing. Um, it, I, I know a pastor here in town, he had two sons, and as soon as they hit their teenage years, he left the pastorate here in Idaho Falls and went back to Texas. Because in Texas, everybody's a Christian. I'm just kidding, right? But he was so concerned that his boys was going to hook up with one of them cute little LDS girls and they'd be gone forever, Right? Good on him. I, I'm glad he did that. Uh, was that a lack of faith? Maybe. But it might have just been wisdom, you know. So the thing about it is, is, is when, you're, when your children, your adult children, when they marry, you're kind of stuck with that person, right? And, um, and I know, I don't think any of my kids says, Dad, my girls didn't come to me. I have two son-in-laws and two daughters-in-laws. My sons didn't come to me. Said, Dad, come check this chick out. You tell me whether I should marry her or not. Right? They didn't care what I thought. Right? They were Twitter-pated, and that's what they were going to do. My girls, the same thing. And um, like I said, everything's cool at the moment. But I, me and my wife, we look at ourselves all the time, and we go... We ain't out of the woods yet, right? We're, we're, we ain't even out of the woods, me and her, you know? And it's just me and her now. She reminded me of that last night. She goes, you know, it took us 37 years, and we can leave our bedroom door open. Because <laughs> the grandkids and kids, you just can't do that, and it's, it's so it's, you know. It's kind of fun, but uh, but it's very important, you know, to uh, to pray, right? Pray for your children's spouses. I remember when our kids were very young, we were praying. In fact, if you got kids that are older than six months old and you haven't been praying for them spouses, you're a couple months late. But pray, pray for your, your, your children and, the, and the, who they're going to marry. And, and, you know, when we do the baby, baby dedications, I love praying for that little ones, the friends that they're going to have and, and, um, and the influence that they're going to experience in this life. Now, Isaac and Rebecca, it seems they've kind of drifted away from this. They had a prayer life in the previous chapters, right? But... Uh, uh, but it's kind of like it's disappeared. Isaac was praying in the field when, when Rebecca came and lit off her camel and, and in chapter 24, and, and, and Rebecca was praying for her babies there in, in, in chapter 25, and Isaac prayed for his wife to, to, to have a baby. But the busyness of life sometimes, our prayer life, kind of shuffles by the wayside. 
Let me tell you something, folks, that ought not to be. We were looking in Daniel this week and I think I shared a prayerless life is a wasted life. A prayerless life is a wasted life. So many Christians today don't have a prayer life. Oh, they'll come to church. They'll sing a worship song. They'll read Bible verses, but they don't have a time where they just are still, be still before the Lord. Know that he is God, the Bible says. That the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man will avail much. That pray without ceasing. And so God is uh, in to prayer and he would call us to be those prayer warriors. And I don't see anywhere in the Bible where prayer is a gift, something you choose to do, right? It's, it's, it's something that God has put on your heart that you're, you, are, you have the unction or the, the moving of the spirit to do. But you need to do it sometimes when it doesn't even, when you don't feel like it. That's what this Christian life is all about. So, so no doubt uh, Esau didn't have a prayer life. He didn't uh, enjoy spiritual things. And so um, we, we transition now into chapter 27 where it says, and now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see that he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son, and he said, here I am. And then he said, behold, now I am old and I do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons and your quiver and your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me and make me savory food such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat and my soul may bless you before I die. So he's thinking, wow, I might, have to, I might be looking at my last meal. What do I want to eat? And it's interesting that that's what he's concerned about, Right? Uh, Abraham, when he was ready to die, he wanted, he wanted to know that his son would have a wife. David, when he was ready to die, he wanted to know that his son uh, would be able to complete the house of God. And here Isaac is, and he's worried about his belly. And he goes, I don't know when I'm going to die. Now, this is a little premature because we know that Isaac does not die for 43 years. He's going to live another 43 years. So he's going to have a whole lot of last meals if he keeps thinking this way. But he was just thinking about the, the, the physical. He glories in his son, son's ability to hunt and kill, which is cool. I mean, we had men's breakfast yesterday. Well, the canceled breakfast. Pastor Steve was worried about the those who would come who didn't hear it was canceled. So he fielded a few guys. And uh, there was a lot of hunting stories, right? A lot of hunting stories when you get that many men together. But he, that's what he glories in. He glories in, in, in the, this person, Esau, that is, he's, he's a good hunter. He's good with a bow. Um, and, and, and he says, if you do this, I'll bless you. But Isaac's forgetting something. He's ignoring something. Something that you and I have been guilty of. He's ignoring God's will. 
He's ignoring God's will because Isaac knew. Isaac knew that Esau had surrendered his birthright, sold it for a bowl of beans. His spiritual life, he gave up for a bowl of beans. He said, I don't want it. I don't like it. This, this spiritual stuff, right? This worship of, of God. I, I got my bow, right? I'm a hunter. And Isaac knew that. Isaac knew, right, what the Lord had told Rebekah. In chapter 25, verse 23, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Isaac was totally ignoring what God said. Have you ignored God? I think we do sometimes, especially when he might be calling us to do something we don't really want to do, like repent or go get something right with a fellow brother or sister or a family member. We just ignore it. Nah, it'll go away. No, it won't. The Bible says that God is seeking those who would worship him in spirit and in truth. To be able to worship him in spirit, we need to be right before our God. Psalms tells us that he who regards iniquity in his heart, God does not hear him. And so he favors Esau. We see this favoritism back in in, uh, a previous chapter where it said, that, and Isaac loved Esau because he ate his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So these parents had chose their favorites. You ever done that, parent? Right? <laughs> Some say, no. Yes, you have. Right? If you got more than one. No, I got four. I was just like, ah, I don't know. Uh, some, of them, some of them I got along with just fine. Some of them, we didn't get along so good. And, and, and mainly, uh, it's, 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 it's just part of this human nature and a fam- family dynamic. You know, how can offspring come from the t- same two parents and be totally different? And, and to not show favoritism. I was accused of being the favorite when we were little kids. Now, it didn't last long because our parents divorced when I was seven. Well, your dad's favorite. And so, again, your sin affects everybody. Now, we interpersonally, yes, we do have different relationships with our children. That's because some are very caustic, right? And some are just cool, man. It's cool, whatever. Um, you, you've had those low-maintenance kids, some of you. You've had those low-maintenance kids right? And, and, and I've had some low-maintenance kids and some high-maintenance kids and, and, and trying to keep that balance and not show favoritism, though they always interpreted it wrong. The kids do, right? And, um, but it never goes well when it's just blatant and obvious. You know, when you have a child that thinks like you think and you, get, you just get along with, it's easy. That's when I, 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 I've got a kid. I tell people it was the only kid I had to raise. I could write books about raising kids. 
But then I had others, right? And, and they bring a whole, whole new dynamic. Parents, the most important thing to do is to love Jesus. Love Jesus. That is going to impact your children more than anything else. Just love him. And if I could say one other thing, especially to dads, the greatest thing you can do for your children is love their mother. Right? It creates an atmosphere so powerful and so secure. Right? I, I remember being, being that kid, you know, I had, I had three siblings. I remember all four of us huddled in a corner of, of a house all by ourselves because our mom was working and, and they were going through divorce and they would see each other occasionally and it would be a train wreck and, and we were kind of just self-comforting one another. And, but then there were four sinners and so sometimes all hell would break loose amongst us. We'd threaten to kill each other, chucking knives at each other. There were guns in the house. I had a BB gum one time. My big brother walked up to me. He was telling me to do something. Wasn't going to do it. Not going to do it. And he comes at me and he swells up and he comes at me and I put my BB gun up. He's got me against the wall. He puts his chest up against the barrel and he goes, you wouldn't dare. And I go, plunk. <laughs> and I mean, the race was on and he was faster than me, but I was quicker than him. I mean, we, we look like, we look like, the Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote going over the horizon. I'm... It didn't go in, but it sure left a good old welt there on his pectoral muscle. But Isaac loved Esau. Rebecca was had favored Jacob. And it was causing trouble. Now, when you have children, it's almost like you have to surrender them to the Lord. And just as you pray for the one, the people that they're going to interact with, uh, you got to pray for them. I had a pastor, I got a pastor friend of mine that was asking for prayer for his kids. He's got four kids. I know them all. And, um, and just heartbroken. They're just not there. You know, a pastor, you think, golly, my kids should, should walk with God. But you know what? The ball's in their court. The ball is in the kids' court. There's no guarantees that our kids are gonna walk with God because we do. We pray for them. We hope they do. I remember telling two of my kids, and they were both 13 at the time, and just, just telling them, listen, me and mom love Jesus. And we're going to walk with Jesus because, frankly, I've tried everything else and nothing else works like walking with Jesus. But the fact is, as you, my child, I would love to see you walk with Jesus and live a life that was free of a lot of heartache. But there's no guarantees. In fact, you do not have to walk with Jesus. As long as you are in my house, you have to go to church with us. You have to do our, our family dynamic. You have to do that. The fact is, is you don't have to walk with Jesus. You know, as a parent, it kind of scared me. I, I can't believe I just said that, right? But it really did. It gave them a freedom to know that. I said, that, you know what, you guys? I said, this is between you and the Lord. And one of them, I remember telling him, I said, listen, 
I love you and I pray for you, but if I get to heaven and you're not there, I will not weep for you. I will not weep for you because I won't even know you existed. And you should have seen the look on their face. <laughs> ka <-ching. laughs> Let me tell you, if you take your kids to church and they know about Jesus, it is hard for them to go to hell. Okay? I'm just telling you. Right? Now, they may have a hard road and they might choose a terrible way, but it is hard for them to go to hell because they got a whole lot of Jesus to, to step over to get there, right? And they know better. And so my dad always tells me, would tell me about people that he knew that grew up in the faith and were running amok. And he said, he said, that fella's just too smart to go to hell because he knows about Jesus, right? And so these guys are having kid trouble. They're grieved in their heart. And so here's Rebecca. She comes along, right? And um, she's trying to make God's will happen in the flesh. Check it out, verses five through 10. It says there, now Rebecca was listening. Maybe that was, should be eavesdropping. When Isaac spoke to Esau, his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring, bring and to bring it. And so Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me, and that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to the commandment. You go to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from for your father, such as he loves, and then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it and that he may bless you before his death. Now, Rebecca knew, right, who the blessing was gonna come to, who, who actually had the birthright because Esau surrendered it, but she was gonna make it happen. She was, she was gonna try to, try to make something happen in her flesh. Can you fulfill the will of God in the flesh? I think I just mentioned it. He's looking for those to worship him in spirit and in truth. It's in spirit. It's by faith that you walk and you complete the will of God. Right? Paul writes to the Galatians and he says this to him. Listen to this. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. And this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? You can't make God's will happen according to your will. Remember, Jesus said that, and not my will, but thy will be done. She knows that Jacob should be the one because the, the elder shall serve the younger. The, elder is, or the, the younger is going to be greater than the elder. 
She knows that. But women have a tendency to just manipulate just a little bit. I see, I see women with their kids. I'm just like, wow, mama bears are scary. The worst cussing I've ever got in my life was from a woman. And she had this little baby on her hip. And I mean, she was a dropping F-bombs and she was letting me have it. And I'm just like, I just wanted to crawl in a corner. And it was over a kid. Oh, Lord. I don't know how we ever make it. Mothers seem to have the gift of eavesdropping and meddling. She's thinking that old coot is going to mess everything up by blessing Esau. So she tells Jacob to obey her. She's going to fix this, <laughs> right? We're going to fix this right now. I love what Charles Haddon Spurgeon said about this. He says, good men have gone very wrong when they have thought of aiding in the fulfillment of the promises of promises and prophecy. See how Rebecca erred in trying to get the promised blessing for Jacob. We had better leave the Lord's decrees to the, in the Lord's hands. When people operate in their own means, they forget that God is watching all of this. I love the verses where it talks about God sees. He sees everything. God sees what we're doing. Can't we just let the Lord be the Lord? Let him do what he's going to do. Psalm 33, verses 13 and 15, it says, The Lord looks from heaven, and he sees all the sons of men from the place of his dwelling. He looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their hearts individually. He considers all their works. So God considers. He considers what Isaac is doing by ignoring his will. He considers what Rebecca is doing by trying to operate in the flesh and get what God's will done. Ecclesiastes 2, 12, 14 says, for God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Psalm 94 says, verse 9, He who planted the ear, shall he not hear? He who formed the eye, shall he not see? Proverbs twenty two twelve. The eyes of the Lord preserve knowledge, but he overthrows the words of the faithless. God's will is done by him, not you. That is so true. Our job is to walk by faith and we don't see Isaac or Rebecca, either one, walking by faith. They're not walking by faith. They're gonna do this. They're gonna ignore God's will and do their own thing or they're gonna think they're gonna make God's will happen in their own power. Both, both lanes are wrong. And so Jacob, he responds to this. And, and to his mother. And um, he tells her, I'm not hairy. I'm smooth-skinned. I'm not hairy like Esau. Mom, this ain't gonna work. J Jacob seems to be logical, right? Um, 
It's going to seem like I'm a deceiver. What? You are a deceiver. Go look at your name, right? Supplanter, heel catcher. He's going to think I'm, no, he, you're a deceiver. He, well, I don't want dad to curse me. If he finds out, then he's going to curse me and not bless me. And the boldness of, of Rebekah to say in verse 13, but his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice. Let your curse be on me. I'm willing to take the heat. If she only really knew what she was doing, right? Who wants God to curse them? No one. I mean, Paul, in, in his passion for his, his uh, fellow is Israelite brothers to come to know Christ, he said, I would be cursed if they would be saved. But she said, no, let your curse be on me. Warren Worsby said this, had she and Jacob talked with Isaac while Esau was out hunting, perhaps he would have seen the light and agreed with them. Instead, however, Rebecca chose to control Jacob and deceive her husband. Why is it sometimes that we can't just get face to face? Just talk about truth, right? We get suspicious. We keep each other at arm's length. Uh, we, we, have these wild scenarios in our own mind of what's going on when really what Wearsby says here, I'd never heard that, but yeah, what do you think? If, if Rebecca just went, Esau, wait a minute, don't you remember what God said? Really? Relying on God's word instead of your emotions and, 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 and your own ideas and, and what you think's gonna work and what's not gonna work? Faith always works right? Faith always works. It just does. Faith works. It works things out when we walk by faith. And James talked about that, right? Show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. Faith just works. It just does. It just shows up and it does a great job. Faith does. But when you don't walk by faith, there's always a mess around the corner. So, she had her little boy on her chain and she deceived her husband. Verse 14, right? He went and got them and brought him to his mother. Once Jacob had overcome his fear of getting caught, right? Uh, in his deception, right? He was ready to carry out what Rebecca had um, convinced him to do. And, um, and he went and he agreed. Verse 15 and 16. I think I got it here. My eyes are giving up on me. Then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her elder son, Esau, which were with, with her in the house and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And so here she's, she's really going to great lengths to deceive her husband, putting Esau's clothes so they kind of had the outdoorsy smell, skinning the goats with that fresh, soft skin uh, and put it on his neck and on his hands. Verse 
Jacob's concern was not, is it right, first of all, but is it safe? He was worried about the, the 11th commandment, thou shalt not get caught. <laughs> right? You've seen people like that. Right? They're so sorrowful. I've had, I've, over the years, I've had so many people come to me, you know, and, and, and hey, I got a court date. All right, will you pray for me? See, they're not really sorry. They, they, uh, they did something evil. They're sorry they got caught, right? The Bible says that godly sorrow is what leads to repentance, right? Not just being sorry you got caught. But Jacob didn't want to get caught. And so she used the skin as well as the meat to deceive Jacob and uh, to present hairy, outdoor-smelling Esau with a different voice. And so she dressed Jacob up in Esau's garments and, uh, and wanted him to receive the blessing. And so here we have four people that we've looked at today that have all kinds of issues, right? They're, they're despising the spiritual life, which Esau did. They're ignoring the will of God, which Isaac did, right? They're trying to manipulate and create the will of God in their own power, And Jacob, he's just going along with the lies. He's just going along with it. And, and, and when you look and, and study God's word, you often see yourself, right? Uh, and and I, I've seen myself in, in all four of these characters as we look at this today. And, um, and, and I've seen myself in, in times despising um, the spiritual life. And that's a, that's a very scary thing to do, right? Because you, you wonder how long God would put up with that. How long would God put up with somebody who just despises him? And, 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 and we, say there, we see there, you know, that it, it, it's like, Jacob have I loved, but Esau, he says, I have hated. Why is that? Maybe because Esau hated him. And it's like, if you hate God, God can, you know, it's, it's almost like God's, well, I'll overlook that for, for now. God overlooks it for a time. The Bible says that he did that, right, with the children of Israel, that in these times, God overlooked, Paul tells them there at, at, at Mars Hill. God overlooked, God overlooked, God overlooked. You're despising these spiritual things. But now he has called you to repent of that and turn from it. Maybe God hated Esau because Esau hated him. God can oblige you. You hate me? I can hate you back. You want me to hate you back? God don't want to have to hate you back. He's willing that none should perish, 
Anyone who would turn. We see the wicked kings in the Old Testament that turn. And I mean, it's hideous what they've done. The innocent blood they've shed and the things that they've done and the amount of people they've murdered and abused. And, and they have a moment of humility and cry out to the Lord. And he goes, oh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll accept you. Are you accepted by God? Have you humbled yourself? Or do you hate spiritual things? See, only you can navigate that. Nobody else knows. Some people put on a good face. A lot of people, you would think, oh, no, they love God. When really in their heart, their works, Titus tells us, the works deny what you're saying. Your works deny it. And then Rebecca trying to, to make God's will happen. We know this is God's will. He's shown the old man what is good and what the Lord requires you to love, to do justice, to love, do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. That's God's will. All the details, he'll, he'll direct you through them. That's God's will. Paul says, give thanks. Pray without ceasing. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That's the will of God. Pretty simple things. Seek him, be thankful, walk humbly, do justly, love mercy. That's the will of God. But for us to think that we can bring God's will to completion by operating in the flesh is absolute foolishness. We can't do it. Because the works, right? Our works, the Bible says, are as filthy rags. And you don't even want to know what that means. And I'm not going to go there. Because it's nasty. They're just filthy rags. That's all our works are. Jacob wants a blessing, even if he has to cheat to get it. Are you a cheater? You want God's blessing, but you don't want to walk by faith? How's that work? Because without faith, it tells us in Hebrews, it is possible, it is impossible to please him. For those who would come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So diligently seek the Lord. And he'll bless you. The blessing is there. The blessing is walking by faith and no other way. Last of all, all four of them, Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, and Esau, did not trust each other. Worse yet, they did not trust the Lord. Each one of them schemed and plotted against each other and against God. Find yourself there? I find myself there all the time. Why? do what I do? Why did I say that? Why didn't I walk by faith? Why didn't I seek the Lord before I did that? Here's the fix. I'm going to close with this. This is the fix. It's found in Romans chapter 13. In verse 13 of Romans chapter 13, it says this, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, Listen, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh 
to fulfill its lust. What do you do? You put on the Lord Jesus Christ, right? It, I, I, I know it's cliche, but WWJD, really. The Bible says, who knows the mind of the Lord? But we have the mind of Christ. We do. You and I have the mind of Christ Jesus. Paul said, let the mind of Christ Jesus be in you, right? You got to let it. How do you do that? You read what's in his mind. You seek him in prayer. You yield to the Holy Spirit. And he'll help you think right. Just like Hebrews says there in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, right? That the word of God is alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of your heart. It reveals where your heart is. If your heart's in the right place or not. That's what the word of the Lord does. These guys had forgot the word of the Lord and they had drifted away. This family had drifted away. But God's faithful and he'll reel them back in, right? Maybe God needs to reel you in today. Just humble yourself. Say, oh Lord, man, have I made a mess. Forgive me. Jesus, come in. I want to put you on my life and never take you off. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the future and the hope that you promised those who would walk by faith, not by sight. Lord, sometimes it, things just totally are not like they appear. But we know that in the end, your will will be done. So help us have that, that mind of Christ Jesus that would pray and say, oh Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Lord, even when it comes to those that we love and we so want to rescue them and we so want them to be tuned in to who you are, Lord, and we don't even see it happening and we want to try to make it happen, Lord, we know that we can't, but we can come before you. We know that your Holy Spirit can do everything and fulfill the will of our God. So fill us with that Holy Spirit today. And as we're in an attitude of prayer and you just uh, kind of been out there You've drifted. Maybe you've been ignoring God's will. Maybe you've been trying to do God's will in your own flesh. Can I just encourage you? Would you just pray to him right now and say, oh Lord, give me faith. Oh Lord, help me believe. Lord, I forsake myself and I trust in you. And he's faithful to meet you right there as you humble yourself. And I do pray for those who would need that touch from you today, Lord. I pray it for my own, own heart to be right before my God. I have my own ideas and all these things, Lord, that just kind of muddy the water. May we see truly your word and your clear will for each one of our lives, Lord, as we trust you and as we walk with, with you and as we turn from these things. Lord, whether we've despised you or, or we take you for granted or we try to cheat to get ahead, Lord, forgive us of those things and help us to be in the way of truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.